Hello and welcome back to the Bigger Picture Podcast. I'm your host, Chan and Zhao. And today I have Justin Perrin, the assistant coach of the NMH basketball team. What's up? How you doing? Great. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Just got a soccer session and then uh, came back from track. Yeah. That's great. Thanks for Get having me, man. daily a- athletics in. Yeah, yeah. So let's just start off with um, basketball because obviously basketball is probably a big part of you. I mean... Um, back then, we, when we were in Lower Mud, you know, mm-hmm. we used to talk about basketball and play 2K, remember? So much. <laughs> you, you beat me in that final, <laughs> emotional final. <laughs> it was fun, though. We had a good yeah, time down 2K, there. 2K, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so, like, what, 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 how did you start basketball? It's a good question. It's a, it's a lifelong story question. So yeah. I, uh, yeah, my dad's been a basketball coach, high school basketball coach oh, really? my whole life. And uh-huh. uh, I grew up in a gym. Mm-hmm. watching his team practice being around the game mm-hmm. just fell in love with uh the x's and o side of it mm-hmm. seeing him coach his team and coach his players and i knew uh when basketball was over for me after my i started i played i played in college for one year mm-hmm. the second year i went back and just didn't love the playing as much as i loved the pursuit of coaching so i went into coaching mm. after that interesting um, started coaching while I, while i was in college mm-hmm. at some local high schools um mm-hmm. and kind of just Kept growing my love from there. Um, mm-hmm. Right after I was finished at Framingham State, I was a assistant coach at Clark University out in Worcester for five years. Oh, really? Grew up, mm-hmm. um, grew up knowing their head coach, mm-hmm. and he had an open spot, and it kind of worked out timing wise. So mm-hmm. that was really lucky for me. A lot of the, of the coaching lifestyle and opportunities come just from tithing. Timing, mm-hmm. is a, a timing, lot of it. Yeah. yeah. So got lucky with that. Lucky, okay. and then yeah. Um, found myself here which was an absolute blessing this place was amazing yeah. and i mean how long you've been here this is my yeah, i just finished my second year we'll finish my second year i got here in mid-october of mm-hmm. uh, october 2020 oh like right during covid absolutely yeah yeah i yeah. mean why why did you choose to come to nmh during covid that's like, a good question yeah. yeah um so my last year at clark when covid hit there was an uncertainty of what they were going to do with my position and other assistant coaches positions. So it was kind of let go with the ability to hopefully come back, but decided it was not for me and went into the education sector more. And I worked at St. Mark's school in Southboro just for a few months, helping them with their COVID protocols and helping them with their synchronous and asynchronous students. Okay. Um, But as that time was happening, I wasn't doing anything basketball related. Mm-hmm. But one day, Coach Carroll called me, said he had an open position, knew me from just working at Clark for a few years and worked at camp here a couple of years ago. And uh, it was an so easy he, yes. he also worked in Clark before? He or? did not. No, no. He just knew me from working at Clark. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And so, then, yeah, he called me one day, asked if <laughs> I wanted to be his assistant and then head coach of the prep team. It was yeah. the easiest yes, I said, because um, I knew the prowess of this school yeah of course this team ranked all that all n- that number one country or yeah yeah number one wow. they've, they are yeah the last 12 years they've been one of the top teams in the country in so, the country yeah. yeah it's been it was it was easy yes so that's yeah, how course. i got here and um yeah basketball was the reason i got here but then i found myself loving every other bit of the the job so i've stayed here and tried to grow my opportunities at the school mm-hmm. and you're leaving next year yeah Correct. Yeah, I'm done. Um, when the school year ends here, I'm gonna go. I'm going back to St. Mark's 
in uh, Southboro. I'm going to be the assistant athletic director there and okay. then help out, um, see what the role my, in boys basketball is going to be, whether that's going to be. Are you going to be a head coach or? I, I hope that's the plan. Oh, wow. Um, but That'd we haven't, great. yeah, we haven't really worked on that piece of it yet. But as of now, I'm just going to be assistant athletic director, go in there and really help support the student athletes. All right. So we basically sort of have this career overview of, you know, where you're at and where you're going. So it's sort of like come back to, um, to the start. You, 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 you were talking about how you decided not to pursue playing, but over, but choosing coaching. Why did you sort of choose, choose, but choose that? Yeah. Is it under your father's influence or? Some of it, but he was always just like very supportive, didn't really um, have a, you know, horse in the race. He really just thought that I should be around basketball in whatever capacity I wanted to be in. He mm-hmm. would support. So, but when I got to um, the college game, I was, I was a freshman and I was teaching sophomores, juniors, seniors about the offense and teaching them how to do things when I was just my first year there. Wait, because, why? Because the, the guys just didn't understand at the same level that I did. So the coaching staff kind of gave me as a freshman the opportunity to go to the other than under the floor and huh. teach some of the other guys how like they want to play basketball. Were you at a Division three college? Or? Correct. Okay. Yeah, I was at State School in Massachusetts. And, uh, okay. Um, yeah, it was, it was, we had a really talented team. We won some good games. But, um, the yeah, the, my role was... <laughs> not consistent so some okay. days some games i'd play a lot some games i wouldn't and that was really just based on matchups but no matter what throughout practice the coaching staff always leaned on me to help the guys who are playing a lot understand new plays new scouting reports all that stuff so that was like really my first taste, taste of like of coaching yeah, yeah like, like yeah and they always said i could be a good coach and that kind of helped me propel into that so w- wouldn't it be challenging for you i mean coming as a freshman in college to to sort of coach people that are two years, three years older than you. I mean, wouldn't there be a status issue or yeah, trust I, issue? Yeah, I think part of it. But at the same time, I was lucky enough that my first year at Framingham State was also the head coach's first year. So uh, there wasn't this connection with the older st- students with the new head coach as much as I even had because mm-hmm. that coach was also bringing me in in his first year. So mm-hmm. I think that connection that I had with the new head coach kind of gave me a little bit of leverage with the coaching staff but with the players there was no ego which was great and they, we really wanted mm. just like team success help, help everyone yeah, for sure yeah the team That's success good. mattered more than the personal success so they they had no uh no issue with me mm-hmm. having that role so you're saying you have this better understanding of basketball than a lot of players how did that come to be from just watching your dad coach or just watching a lot of games or studying or reading or how did that come about yeah a little bit all the above i think being a coach's son you just like see a different side of it and you see how it gets implemented not just how it gets executed so Mm -hmm. like i understood the language the thoughts the process that goes into like you know uh why a certain play is run at a certain time or why an offense is put in for one team but not for another team those type Mm -hmm. of things so i saw my dad do that and that really um made my mind think in a different way, mm. which was really cool. Um, but yeah, the the coaching side of it is like, is something that my dad was really good at. Mm-hmm. But he was also like humble and loved by his players. And that was the stuff that I mm-hmm. really wanted to embody myself yeah. to. Like, yeah, the players love playing for him. So that's how I knew like he was doing the right things. And that's how I knew I should be learning and grabbing anything that he says. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. so you basically, um, at all, at, wait, while you're young, you would watch your, dad coach 
no doubt. Like, yeah, I was. Where where, where did he coach? Uh, North Attleboro High School. He uh-huh. was there for twenty years, and then he's been a. That was the boys' side. He was the head coach on the boys' side there uh-huh. for twenty years, and since then he's been at another small public school, Dighton Rehoboth High School, and he coaches the girls' varsity there now. Okay, so during games or during practices, you would just show up and then just sort of watch and observe and for learn. sure yeah i uh i always was on like the whiteboard and like drawing up plays <laughs> just on my own as I, a kid yeah as a kid i don't know what it was man it was just, it was uh, just interesting yeah to you. for sure just something clicked in my mind and something i really enjoyed so yeah definitely watching a lot of games and practices of his um maybe kind of think that way um but yeah i was his water boy for you know a number of years, so I was always around the sideline, always around okay. the players, okay, always around the whole team environment, for, exactly. Yeah. So everything. So. so you sort of just growing up, you just felt that every, every single day, and you sort of have this with you. I mean, so I mean, to to me or to listeners, like, how would you suggest us to improve our mental game or our, um, yeah, the understanding of our of, of our game? Because I feel like sports. In sports, athleticism and technique and all these are only like maybe fifty percent. The fi- other fifty percent is, do you do you know what to do with the ball? Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I, my my saying when I t- work with just in basketball with shooters is like fifty percent mechanics, fifty percent mentality. Mm-hmm. Mentality part is huge. Um, yeah. So in any sport, it's really like you said before, like you know, reading things definitely helps, and that helps with the mentality side of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think what you read is as important as how much you read. So like mm-hmm. reading things about um, growth mindset or just positive thinking, um, things that can help you when you're at your worst, continue to push through those adversity um, mm-hmm. moments. I think that's that's something that can definitely help any any athlete in any sport. So um, how, how, how do you think we should um, learn the, a growth mindset? You know, mm-hmm. Because it's not easy to sort of master you know what i'm saying it's not because you see professional athletes top top athletes still some of them still struggle with mentality issues you know for sure like, i mean I, I don't know much about basketball but i can I, I i bet there's definitely star players when they're young and then they sort of fallen off because they didn't have the right mindset and things like that and similar to soccer i can name a lot of names but like i've seen a lot of you know at, like professionals do sort of fall off like how, how would you say we can consistently improve our and master our mental mind game yeah um well i think that's where a lot of coaching can come in and, and the ability for coaches to know what a player what, you know, what makes a player tick um mm-hmm. what their body language is like um and having those coaches just understand like body language um, them also intervening at the right times. So, like, a lot of the players that have the best mentality as the professionals have had really good coaches when they were in, you know, middle school, high school, college, mm-hmm. and then into their professional careers where they didn't really have any setbacks. They were only moving forward. Even if they were having a negative day, mm-hmm. there was still an ability for that coach to get to that player and get them through that um, adversity. So I think coaching comes a big part of helping players get to the, like their peak mental performance. Um, mm-hmm. But then other than that, there's really just overall look at life. Um, 
you know, you can do things like meditation. You can do things like breathing techniques and mm-hmm. things that ground you with mindfulness mm-hmm. and stuff like that. I think that's used more now than it ever has been. Of course. Yeah. And that's great. Yeah, of I course. think that's something that's, that's really, really cool about what the direction it's of really like, yeah. like sports. But mm-hmm. I also think the old school um, approach, there's validity to it because there's like an immediate response by a coach. What or, do you mean by the old school yeah. style, like the punishment reward style? Not even like punishment or? reward, just more like um, it's okay to yell at a player. Okay. And it's not about the tone. It's about what you say. So like when coaches can, you know, stop someone dead in their tracks and be like, hey, your body language is terrible. You know, you're not being a great teammate today. I don't hear your voice. Your communication's low. Mm-hmm. So like a mix of being able to, not call out a player, but call them up and mm-hmm. make sure that they are feel like they're lifted and they're, mm-hmm. you know, they're being talked to and, or yelled at for the right reasons, not just for no reasons. Mm-hmm. So there, there are, you know, a lot of older coaches that they used to just yell for no reason just because it was a power thing. Yeah. So yeah, know, knowing, yeah. Knowing that there's that power can be, um, more divided evenly and it's more of a group effort not just a coach over with his team power, yeah, exactly yeah. underneath course. him everyone's on the same level so would you say as a coach you would have to f- sort of figure out or understand each player and see like which players well you can yell and which players if you yell at them they would just sort of fall down the the, the rabbit hole or whatever 100 yeah. yeah so the, like something that i learned from coach carroll something i'm going to take on forward is during COVID, everyone was really, really in these different mental spaces, right? Mm-hmm. So as before practice would start, you would ask a player if they're red, yellow, or green that day. And mm. red means I'm having a bad mental day. Don't yell at me, basically. So each player would sort of select it Like, before. yeah, like I'd walk up to you before practice, give you a knuckle touch, be like, hey, how are you? What color are you? And they'd say red. Okay, I'm not going to hop on that guy today. He's having a, he's having a bad space. He's in a bad space. He's here. He's going to work hard, and that's great. I'm not going to get on him. Okay. Yellow means you can do just do a little bit, and green means go ahead. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm ready. I'm to be fired ready. up. I'm, really yeah. to be co- I'm ready to be coached today. Like, okay. coach me hard. So, like, you have an ability to have a connection with those players and a, and a small communication before practice even starts mm-hmm. where you can meet them where they are that day it doesn't and that and that color can change every day and that's life like you know you might be yeah, of red, red one day green the next day and that's yeah, okay yeah, definitely so that's a big part of it just knowing where they are that one day one but two seeing like overall trends and your ability to assess a person who they are and that's why i think prep school basketball and overall sports is really cool because you could see a student athlete in all these different realms on campus yeah before they even get to the field mm-hmm. so you know what kind of day they've had before they even show up to practice so like, like you would see your players before before even practice right and you would teach them or not even teach them no just like notice know what's going on in their day mm-hmm. how their day is going and that that can also stem over into practice and how tired they are where their fatigue is mentally stuff like that so, so you would say under having this good connection with your players is very important, right? So and important. Like you got to have, if I had 15 players, I wanted 15 different relationships with all 15, but one communal relationship at the same time. Mm-hmm. So we're all looking at the same, you know. Same goal. goal. Yeah. Exactly. Same thing at the end we want. We want But at the same yeah, time, exactly. all 15 guys are going to be pushing different ways so that we're all still going to that same point. Mm. 
Yeah. Would Would you think that's challenging, or it just feels natural for you? That's. I mean, <laughs> it, it would definitely is challenging. Um, it's super challenging, but that's why there's only a, you know small amount of good coaches. Mm-hmm. You know, that's no, so true. Yeah. This is, that's that's why it's so challenging, and it's like that the time and investment of the relationships is where the money's made in coaching, you know, um, that, that player trusts you cause you've had his back at his worst day, but you've lifted him and coached him hard on his best day too. So it's like that player trusting you and having that relationship on both those days is really important. Um, yeah. I've seen it done at, at Clark. It, it wasn't good for a couple of years. The head coach, um, didn't have a great relationship with those players. Yeah. So I've seen it done that way, but then mm-hmm. I get here and it's like, it's the best example I ever could have gotten. So mm. it was, uh, you know, I learned it right away from Coach Carroll, but I also saw in the players how much it really meant to them to have that relationship. With so, the coach? Yeah, with, with yeah with him and, and, and within each other. Mm-hmm. So it was great. Mm. So what would you say the environment was like in Clark? I mean, you said it wasn't that good. Yeah, I think it was just, um, like I talked about earlier, just a, a power difference. Like the coach, you know, was not um he thought he you know just because he was the head coach he thought i was in charge but mm. it's you know a coach-led team is not going to be as good as a player-led team true ever. ever so you know when he was leading the way the players were dragging behind him instead of the coach being in back pushing his players forward mm. so interesting the, dragging versus pushing mm-hmm. yeah what, what what differentiates the two just the relation you have yeah and also like empowering the players to make decisions too like you don't have to make every decision every day that like puts all the power in you and that's mm. that shouldn't be how it's done it should always be some sort of conversation especially yeah, about things that you know are the players want and have a desire to talk about uh, i think that's a really important yeah mm. to 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 have this open communication and also just this understanding and i mean that's sort of similar to i was thinking about like education too i mean you you, you what classes do you teach yeah 100 percent. it's really that's like that's the big thing and both my parents are teachers yeah, yeah. so I grew, oh, up, really? I grew up in a household that was you know education uh-huh. education and then at the same time they would push you athletically too but mm-hmm. i taught psychology when i right when i got here and that was oh, awesome really? um so when i you know when i got here my roles were assistant coach with the national team, head coach of the prep team for basketball, dorm head of the quarantine dorm, and then lab teacher. So all the remote students. I taught AP psychology in, in the winter term. In the spring term, I taught general, general psychology. Mm-hmm. And those were all students that were remote during COVID. So okay. I brought my master's in education and uh, bachelor in arts in psychology to be able oh, to really? put it into teaching psychology, which was just absolutely awesome what interest what interested you in psychology because psychology is a um a subject that i'm really passionate about and i feel it's just so fascinating what what clicked for you to sort of pursue psychology coaching just coaching yeah man like coaching is psychology coaching is knowing like human behavior Mm -hmm. noticing different trends um finding out the why behind why we do what we do and how Mm. to make humans better like not sure. not not using it to just like understand it but like using it to lift 
whether it was people in my dorm, my class, my team, all those things. So when you master psychology, do you, um, what kind of aspect did you master in? Did you sort of choose a specific sub- subject within psychology or you just mastered a general psychology? Yeah. So my master's was in education, but focused on actually college counseling. So College counseling. Yeah. Interesting. Well, I was working at Clark when I was doing it. So I really uh-huh. wanted to help my students there as much as I could right away. So my thought was to do it just for college age students and help them basically understand things like um, career path, um, how to get through um, different theories of like adolescent, but also adult development. So that was mm-hmm. cool to see the adult side of it. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, just really, really be able to help them navigate the transition of high school to college and how to um, mm. basically assess their academic abilities um, show them and tell them where different people on campus would be that could help support them, whether it was counseling services or academic services or career services, all the above, to be able to help create conversations that help students get to that next spot. Because when working at Clark or any Division three school, 99% of those students are not going to go play professional in any sport, right? Mm. They're all going to go there, have... a phenomenal time and just play for the love of the sport but mm-hmm. knowing that their career will not be playing it could be in that sport in some capacity but yeah. not playing in that sport mm-hmm. so helping them navigate how those career decisions happen make sure that they are really good in the classroom and can have conversations with their teachers and stuff like that so that was my master's in counseling was uh focused around that so you were uh learning and taking a master's class while uh, coaching and then um, teach or doing college counseling at the same time. Yeah, I, I didn't do any college counseling, but or, I was. Yeah, yeah um, it's sort of like just while you coach, you just yes. you know you, you talk with them and then serve as their counselor and things. Like that, yeah. For sure, yeah. At the college level, you have like you know here at prep school we have an advisor, advisor, yeah. and there your coaches and your assistant coaches are a lot of times your advisor. Where mm-hmm. like they're just checking in on your classes. You have academic updates. You send them. You might have a conversation with their teacher just to help navigate how they're doing with, um, you know, absences or just sending in all their paperwork and papers in on time, that type of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So he was served as an advisor, which kind of turned into exactly what advisors are here when I got here. So I already had some sort of knowledge and skills in advising by the time I got here because I was able to use those skills I learned from my master's, but then also, just from my first-hand experience while I was at Clark. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Are you still teaching right now? or No, they don't have me teaching this, uh, this semester, no. so no, I'm prob- not teaching. Mm-hmm. But I, I, one thing I gained, which has been awesome, is I'm in CASA coaching. What, what's that? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. CASA. Like, yeah, exactly. Academic strategies Academic and um, success, and it's like teaching really, you know, skills of communication, planning, uh-huh. All those type of um, skills that would really help a lot of people transition into a prep school life. So I have students that I have one, you know, I have five students now. They all range in different grades. They all have different needs and different understanding of what success means to them, especially here at a prep school. Mm-hmm. So just navigating all their different needs and helping fill those gaps of like um, study skills or any communi- communication skills or any sort of skills that would help them succeed. Mm, so you you. So you're serving as like a private tutor in some way or not, not really, but like 
advisor slash tutor. Yeah, it's same, a, same, same. yeah, that's, that's a good way to put it. It's a it's a mix between advising and tutoring because you can help with homework, but at the same time, you you're more of helping them build the strategy and things like that. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, and I see you doing writing help too. I mean, yes. Yeah. Tuesday nights I do writing help, and that's. You know, as the year goes on, as more and more final papers come in, like those come in and uh, the students come in and they ask. So I, I was really, I liked re- writing research when I was an undergrad and a grad student. So um, I had a little bit of passion in that and I really liked writing about psychology um, in general. Okay. So that kind of, what, there was a need for it. So I, you know, went in and was like, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. I'll help out however need uh, the school needs. So that's something that I really didn't know about prep school so I got here was that like your role kind of can change at any time and what the school needs sometimes you just gotta say yes right away and go ahead and do it and jump into it and you're gonna be better for it so I never thought about writing help never really thought about academic strategies and cost of coaching but like those two things were came up and I was like yeah why wouldn't yeah, I do that? You, you've done similar things before right right that's so, interesting so I do that then like on the side I work with a private tutoring company that teaches and uh, tutors for AP psychology. So I do that with two Uh, students who are um, different parts of the country. We meet once a week on over zoom and it's, yeah. And I helped them with the AP exam, which they just took last Tuesday. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I took that AP psych. I don't know if I did too well, but um, we'll see how that goes. Yeah. I hope so. I did good. Yeah. 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 Um, So, I mean, you you've master you had a master in psychology and also a bachelor degree. Correct. Yeah. So, what would you say that the advanced level of psychology is like? Because there's definitely that introduction level, like sort of just scanning of everything, which is w- what AP psychology is like. Like, what would what w- what would it look like if we climb up the stairs of psychology? Yeah. So, like, as they as the classes got into. 200, 300, 400, 500 level classes and mm-hmm. so on. Um, a lot of the times the classes would, like their focus would change. So I took educational psychology. I took, you know, human mm-hmm. psychology. Yeah. Um, I took research methods one and two. Mm-hmm. I took, you know, just um, cross-cultural theories. Mm-hmm. I took a mindfulness class my senior year of um, mm-hmm. at Framingham. That was amazing. That was one of the reasons I got into mindfulness Mindfulness um, class? Yeah, so it was our, it was, it was, hot. It was a capstone. It was our 400 level class. You had to oh. choose between that or doing like an internship. And I decided to go with the mindfulness because I thought it's what That's I needed. Very interesting. And yeah. I thought it would, yeah, I could cross over into coaching. So, huh. yeah, it was it was amazing. It was one of the best classes I ever took, for well, sure. Well, well, how did that class go? Yeah, I mean, it was... You, met, you had a mentor and you just meditated every single class? Or? Yeah, yeah. So there was like a, that was part of it. So every, every day we started with... You know, we built our way up. So there was five to 20-minute meditations. Um, sometimes we did full-body meditation. Sometimes we did just breathing exercises. But we he taught us how to eat mindfully. Um, but the last final project was we had to speak with someone in mindfulness in some sort of corporation or business um, that had worked in it. So I had, had to email, interview someone who was um, worked with UMass Amherst and their mindfulness not you know not group but um they're they're starting to create some studies on mindfulness so 
had to speak with them and have to do a you know, PowerPoint on what he was telling me, which was not too much different than what was in the class, but just overall how it can impact you with the day to day in different ways. We could um, approach things mindfully. That was kind of the setup of the class, and it was awesome. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I feel it would be interesting if you can introduce us to a little <laughs> mindfulness, you know, a, a little tips and everything. Like, I mean, for me, I feel the thing about mindfulness is about all about consistency. Mm-hmm. It's all about if we can consistently do it day by day. Because it, to, to be honest, it's hard. Like, there are days where I'll just meditate and I'll continually meditate for a few days, but then. I'll stop and I'll forget about it and then sort of lose the habit. Like, how do you how do you build this habit of mindfulness? Yeah, um, dude, it's a good question. Um, doing it daily is definitely like part of it, and mm-hmm. you know, a couple minutes. It's all it's all it really takes is a couple minutes of just deep breathing and you know noticing your breath. But um, really, where I bring mindfulness into my daily life is just my reaction to different things that come about so like not having a negative or positive connotation to something happening just knowing that is what it is not what saying. do you mean so whenever something happens you just don't have any emotions or not not not, not <laughs> emotions and that's like um but something that's i really my emotions only come in when things that i can control what do you mean so if like if i if i control if i i'll try to give you like a you know clear coaching example. Example. yeah yeah i can do that sure. um so like if I drew up a play at a timeout, we went out there and we executed it, but we missed the shot. I'm, I haven't, I don't have like, I'm, I'm happy about that. I don't really have a positive or negative reaction to it because yeah. I, I controlled it as best as I could. The team controlled it as best as they could. Sometimes the ball just doesn't go in the hoop and that's okay. Of course. But if I drew up a bad play, the other team stole the ball, they laid it in and they took the lead. I would have negative negative reaction within myself. Sure. About myself. And that'd be something. Guilt. Yeah. Guilt. Exactly. All those things. Yeah. Yeah. And those things probably wouldn't come up right away because you're in the heat of the moment and you got to get on to the next play. And that's something I really, really advocate for as a coach is the next play mentality. But like, yeah, in the post game thoughts and reflection, I would, yeah, have some sort of negative reaction to it. But um, like really just putting like things that happen are just what they are mm-hmm. so if like me going to st mark's mm-hmm. i haven't i didn't really have a negative or positive connotation to it like i'm it just it is what it is but then i would i'm happy about it mm-hmm. those things but it, not, it doesn't have to mean it's a positive or negative thing you know sometimes people mm-hmm. just put positive or negative to a situation before they even assess it so, so being happy in a situation doesn't necessarily mean you're giving it a positive connotation is that what you mean yeah because i mean that's a short-term reaction yeah so like so connotation is is the short-term emotion you feel or it can it can be but it's it's more yeah it's more about like your yeah your initial reaction to it your gut okay you're you're like right away yeah if it's like yeah yeah if it's negative or positive to you right away so when you practice mindfulness when whenever that comes up Mm -hmm. you notice it and just let it go or yeah you know? it, it, like you just kind of let it be like you let, let it, it let it like and i had i have a uh i have a friend that i grew up with um who's now in a monastery who's a 
monk and he came home this summer and we had, you know, deep conversations about this because that's what they're talking about in their teachings. But really just, yeah, having things and actions and reactions, you know, have them happen naturally, but not attaching as many emotions to them as some people do. Mm. Yeah. So to to ha- not have these connections, how how do you do that? I don't. Yeah, it's hard to explain. <laughs> I mean, I'm I I, I don't know. I'm, yeah. Maybe I'm pushing it too much. No, no. It's. I just feel like if we if you can sort of explain it. I mean, listeners right now can definitely understand it so well. Yeah. You know? like, um, for example, for example, mm-hmm. let's let's just yeah, g- use g- that basketball. Okay. Thing. Okay. Give, give me give me a, give me a, g- give. I'll give you a situation. Yeah. It's uh, it's the fourth quarter. Okay. You know, the clock is ticking. You have what twenty five seconds left on the board. You're two points behind. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. And then, and then you you have it's it's not like a play drew, mm-hmm. but then it's just like a pass from mm-hmm. from your. I don't know what, what, what it's like. They, just say they scored and you just played out the back. Okay. And then your point guards sloppily just you know, like didn't look and then got the boss low and then they they dunked it in and then you lost the game. Like at that moment, you would feel anger and you would feel like negative and you would feel like, oh, well, why did you do that? And all these things. Like at that moment, how would you respond to that? Yeah, I would. Be happy. There's 25 seconds left on the clock. I would be like, okay, we're fine. We're gonna have 25 seconds left. We still have an ability to change mm-hmm. this game. So like, uh, the clock doesn't say zero. Like we're gonna like, I'm gonna say, you know, something quick. Like, oh come on, Johnny, <laughs> beat just, yeah. just, just just like you know have some awareness. Then it'll be right to the next play. And the you know call timeout instantly call. forget. Yeah, like yeah. try to try to get right to the next play. Of course, like as I reflect. And, you know, 20, 30 minutes after the game, I'm going to be like, dang, like that was the play that changed it all. Yeah. And I'm going to talk to him about that in a different situation. But to react with negative or positive emotions as soon as that play happens doesn't help the player. Yeah. Just like kids. if you were screaming, mm-hmm. fuming mm-hmm. at the sideline. Right. Call a timeout. Right. Be on him. And yeah. you know, it does not help. Doesn't because help Because maybe what happened is, you know, you come back again, draw a play, he shoots a three-pointer and... Now you're suddenly back in the lead. Yeah, like, absolutely. Yeah. The, the, still, the possibilities are still infinite because like, sure. there's 25 seconds left, and that means a lot in basketball. You know, other sports, that doesn't mean as much, but, like, in basketball, it's a lot. So there's a lot of things that can change, and it's like, yeah. Im- immediately, you'd have, like, like a dang, like, that stinks. But, like, you have to get on to the next play and have your body language be calm, cool, collected, because your body language is going to be seen by the team. And if you're negative, sad, distraught, then they're going to be that way too. They're not going to be on to the next possibility. Mm. So, so practicing mindfulness can, mm-hmm. uh, consistently practicing mindfulness can just help you sort of just be like that in, in that in that situation. You yeah. wouldn't let emotion take over. Yeah, just yeah. it keeps you grounded. It keeps you it keeps you calm. Keeps you calm. Keeps you moving forward. Doesn't let you dwell on past things. Just like know they happened, and I can learn from them in in some sort of way. Like that's mm. a teaching moment for that kid. That's a yeah, teaching yeah. moment for me. Those mm. like I can help prevent the future. You know, late clock turnover that would have changed the game. So like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah mindfulness helps me just think about an approach. Those that you know at that point it would be like a, a negative play, 
and learn turn it into a positive teaching moment. Yeah. Do you teach mindfulness to your players? Because I feel like it would be really beneficial. Like at that, because I mean, at the end of the day, you're you're still on the sideline. You can't go in and score like fifty points and change a game, right? Can't. So like, would you teach it to your players? Like, would it's a good question. It's something I've I really have contemplated for the last four five years um, really i don't know if i would teach it directly now to high schoolers why as much because i just don't know if they're ready for it mm-hmm. i don't know if the their mentality and their understanding of the world is ready to approach mm-hmm. it mindfully but like you can do it within your micro actions and like your daily approach to practice to how you coach them how sort of how you work yeah with them. Like so like yeah mention exactly like i can mention little things and like but not like have a sit down conversation with them but like if i was still in college coaching i think i would more okay because those kids could use those skills a lot and they would yeah. be able to like navigate change life change their for sure yeah. their approach to life not and even also, just basketball yeah, and would you say it would really depend on the player? Because, mm-hmm. like, yeah. there are some players that are just innately driven and have this understanding and have have this, I don't know, drive, winner mentality, I don't know how you call it, but they would do whatever is best to help improve their game. Like, if you notice those players, you would definitely, like, just... Teach it, teach this, and give out anything you have for them, right? For sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. without a doubt. Like, um, do you have a lot of these players? You say here they are they are super driven. Yeah, of you course. know they these guys they have um they have a career path they want to get to and they have a place they want to get to they want to use basketball as a vehicle to get them to a phenomenal academic school. Mm-hmm. So it's like they already practice some mindfulness without them even knowing. And just approaching that forward um, progress and growth mindset where, like, they got to keep going forward in a bunch of areas of life to be able to get to where they want to be. But then there's, yeah, there's some players that I've dealt with before that are stuck in their old habits. And as basketball Mm -hmm. players around them, the world evolves, Mm. they keep getting the same results. So, um, yeah, finding those players that need to change their daily habits Mm -hmm. so that they are ready for the next opportunity not for that current opportunity that's a big part of it mm. yeah and in all of these sort of you you would like sort of teach it coach it day by day like, yeah would you have a plan to coaching every day like how yeah i think work? so i think um group reflections mm-hmm. and like just group talks even okay. like before practice those things go a long way um and just how you want to approach that day how you want to approach different drills why you're doing those drills not just doing them without telling the players like those separate things would be some part of my teaching um like like telling them what we're focusing on to work on for sure for sure okay like yeah just having this make sure there's no miscommunication and we all have the same common goal Mm -hmm. like we all can get better at rebounding Let's do, we're going to do this drill and this drill today. Our emphasis is going to be rebounding and gaining possessions through that. Mm-hmm. So that's what, like, that, that's why we're doing it. We're not just doing it. We're not going to do it just to do it. Mm-hmm. We're not just doing it because I thought it was a good drill I saw on Twitter or online <laughs> somewhere, right? You don't just yeah. do it to do it. You do it with you do things with a purpose. Of so, course. Yeah. So, like, um, 
but the mindfulness stuff would be like yeah knowing the why behind different things mm-hmm. and telling them like we got to grow in this area and mm-hmm. like we got to focus on this and just really really being sure they're present in that moment that's a big thing in mindfulness is being really present right mm-hmm. so making sure they're really present for that drill making sure their head is where their feet are always so like sometimes when you walk into a gym they've a lot of students like we talked about they'll bring in fatigue different things from their day they had a bad class they had a bad conversation with a dorm staff whatever it is mm-hmm. but like in that moment they can't change that right because mm-hmm. they're on the basketball court yeah of course they have their basketball shoes on yeah they have basketball practice yeah they're there to do that and it should help benefit them the rest of the day because that's their outlet they're mm. just present in that moment so just really really just like demanding them to be present mm-hmm. making sure they are their head is where their feet are mm-hmm. and of they're course. giving me everything they have so yeah th- that is so important and Almost everything and anything for sure, and it's, yeah, um, like, like I'm talking through the medium of basketball, but like, yeah, but it, in yeah. in in life anywhere, it's just for example, right now, like sitting here, you know, being mindful, and if our both our minds are like running, and then we can get great content, um, and for and I mean in classes or in just anywhere, walking around, right, no, appreciating sure. the beauty of the campus. I feel like. I don't know, it's with, yeah, obviously with phones and with digital technology, with headphones and all these things, there are so many easy distractions that I feel like I'm not that grounded anymore, Mm. you know? Yeah, it's, (laughs) there's so many different ways that your mind can go nowadays. Yeah, like, you know, as soon as you wake up, a lot of people go right to their phones. Yeah, of course. You know, Um, but yeah, there's so many different places your mind can be while your feet are somewhere else yeah exactly you know, and that's something that mindfulness tries to teach you not to do so it kind of reels you in every now and then it's okay that you stray away from it but like it's just that that knowledge and that moment that you that it clicks that like oh i'm not being present right now that's where mindfulness works best so it's mm-hmm. like it's okay that it, it doesn't happen all the time yeah but knowing that it can but grab having, you and pull you back yeah, in yeah. That's, having the ability to recognize that and then yes Decide to choose to change. That's mindfulness. That's mindfulness. That's like mindfulness, mindfulness isn't, so you would say mindfulness isn't just having the ability to just sit there and meditate for three hours. Not no. to me. Yeah, it's a it's Mindfulness a is about recognizing. Mm-hmm. It's about ah. recognizing and your self-awareness. Yeah. That's a big part of mindfulness is your self-awareness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. Yeah. yeah, we sort of dug this out. Yeah. No, it's, yeah. it's, it's pretty amazing. You, you know, like stuff. when when I asked you at the first place, you're like, I don't know how to answer it now. Yeah, like, you answered it amazingly for sure. It's it's pretty interesting. I mean, and um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> going back to psychology, like, so so after those four years, did you do anything else? Um, at Clark or or at, or yeah, just like taking psychology classes or that's that was it basically. Yeah, I mean after my so after my um, my undergrad was done at Framingham, I had a year off where I didn't take didn't get to my master's until a year after that. Like a gap year. Or yeah, so basically say? a gap year. And What'd I was you work, do? I was working just, in I was working in education. I was okay. doing um, a lot of stuff with special education, sure. but also was work started my work at Clark. So like sure. those two things were taking over my time, and then. Sure. I wanted to keep growing professionally and personally. So I was like, all right, let's go back to school. Okay. Um, 
So that's when I went and got my master's and that took me uh, two and a half years. And that was mastering phenomenal. psychology. Yes. Like, what, 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 what classes did you take over there? Um, so I remember like my first one was like um, theories of counseling. And then from there I did things like group counseling where you like had like a group of 10 students, your whole class. And you had to like create these scenarios and like be the counselor for a group counseling session. And it was mm. like super, super powerful to be able to control a group and these different dynamics, but also to have a group session. Wow. Yeah. That, that's so tough. It was tough. But because like, you have nine people, nine different issues, nine mm-hmm. different backgrounds and for nine sure. different stories for together. Sure. For sure. It's kind of tough. So that was a cool class. Uh, I did cross cultural theory. So different, like how theories can be applied to different cultures. Sure. And that was cool. Just eye opening about like, you know, me, having the privilege as a white male to have these different experiences compared to another person of a different, you know, race background, yeah, yeah, ethnicity, all those type of things. So definitely. like applying that to education. That was and really, you want really to cool. help people and things like that. Without a doubt. Like that's yeah. like, that's, that's really why. That's why I mean, you're in education coaching. I think that's why we're all here. Like, yeah. it's like if you don't help lift someone else in any day, then like, yeah. you know, why are you on earth just for yourself? You yeah, know? exactly. So, yeah. I mean, I hope that like, I'm doing these podcasts. Not only am I learning, I'm putting on podcasts so that people can learn. And I'm going to spend time, you know, editing out clips. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why I have these cameras on. So, so people can actually, you know, see and, and learn with us, you know. So everyone's growing all together. For sure. That's yeah. it. That's it. Exactly. Like, I, like, if you're not, if you're here for yourself and not lifting someone else with your work yeah no your day-to-day actions that's, that's useless for sure i, I gave a <laughs> class chair speech today okay how'd that go and then uh i don't know i feel like i i didn't deliver the best because um <laughs> uh, sad thing is um i only slept for like what two three hours last night i don't okay. know how okay i had insomnia bad insomnia i mean you study psychology maybe i'll ask you this later but i i uh i i couldn't sleep i was on my bed in like 11 12 ish couldn't sleep until two mm-hmm. woke up at four couldn't sleep wow. i don't know maybe it was stress or something yeah but then um yeah i don't know went out gave the speech it was all right but um but what i was trying to say is in this speech I, I, my my last line was um where I, I i hope that we can have a day where we can forget about competition forget about everyone trying to become the best among the rest, but instead we can all come together and make the rest among the best. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like if we can all forget about being selfish, being the one uh, or sort of like just, you know, I'm doing this. I don't care about you. Like, yeah. yeah. But if instead, if everyone comes together and okay, I have this brilliant idea. I'll share it to you. I have that brilliant. I'll share that to you. You know, and and um, we all grow together mm-hmm. because yeah, and I mentioned that in my speech. It's just like I feel like we have. I don't know. It's it's probably because of this college pressure, I would say, but we have in the past. I don't know. I don't know if it's in the past few years, but like it's becoming more and more competitive, more and more toxic. Like it's it's not like we come to school and that now it's like. It's all for, about grades. It's all about these extracurriculars. It's all about like clicking these check boxes instead of 
just sort of growing at the moment, you yeah. know what I'm saying? And do experiences and like yeah, do different exactly. methods that were like it's that it's are actually helpful for right. you. Like right. this yeah. year I took the classes that I took, it was um mostly under influence of them, like counselors, like outside counselors are like, Oh, you should take this, so this looks good on your transcript, things like but then at the end of the school year now I'm reflecting on this, I feel like no, I'm, 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 I was, I'm being fake. Like, I'm, this is not me. Like, I'm taking mm-hmm. classes that I'm not interested in to prove that I'm smart. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't mm-hmm. need that. I, I can prove that I'm smart, but by doing things I love, and then I'll enjoy it more, and I'll learn more, sure. and I'll get more out of it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, and that's like that's where some of the colleges now have gone to test optional for that reason. Like, they don't, they don't think like you know. SAT, ACT, any sort of like test like that should be determined someone's like level of education or their preparedness to go to a college. Like, so that's, like that's a good part of it. But through um, experiential learning is like something that St. Mark's does really well. So that's why I'm excited to go there on Saturdays. They have classes that are not educational based like through the, you know, core academic courses. You yeah. got to take something that you like and it's going to be educational through that like through whatever that medium you want it to be is. So like they have things like they have sports management where you can, you they'll, really? give, they'll give you a team and you got to have a budget and you're going to have to make these decisions and like base no that way. through, through all these different like actual team. Like it's a fake it's simulator. A, yeah. Simulated teams. So like, that yeah, yeah, sounds you, fun. So you do want an, do an, an NFL team and you'd have an ability to negotiate, talk to other owners and then like, you know, make sure your team does great in like revenues. And that's a class. And that's a class. They do that's that on Saturdays. Credit? Yeah. So like the, then they have other what? things where they're going to do, um, you know, special Olympics and stuff like that, helping, um, plan out these games and fun things for interesting students who are less abled. So like, yeah, they, those experiment experiential learning, is going that, that way so much fun so that's why yeah. like, i'm excited about st mark's for one of those reasons yeah but, i mean yeah i i used to well just <laughs> I, I would just play a football manager i don't know if you know that oh, game it's like a i've heard of it yeah it's <laughs> basically that class but mm-hmm. then i would just grind that on myself but now i mean seeing it as a class is pretty interesting for sure it's so like trying to trying to connect like these different types of experiences that draw from different types of intelligences and like also you're more invested in right of course so i think that's part of it and then another thing that you said made me think of something that was like you know in your speech have the rest be the best it's like you always want leaders to send the elevator down yeah you want to lift people up that were for some reason stuck below you and it wasn't their fault they were stuck below you but they never have any opportunities to take that elevator up to that next level yeah so you always want to be able to send the elevator down as a leader yes definitely so i think that's so bring people up instead of instead of like just keeping caring mm -hmm, like the people at your level are there at that level someone that's below you may just be just as qualified just as ready but they haven't but had that opportunity. Because, so, yeah, they mm-hmm. haven't had that opportunity. So, like, yeah, be the person who sends the elevator down. That's something that uh, a former assistant coach here, I, I read it once that he said that. And I was like, yeah, that's great. That's a great <laughs> Send line. the elevator down. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's so interesting. It is. I mean, oh, wow, we can probably go on forever, but yeah, uh, it's any, yeah. so interesting to it talk is. to you. But, unfortunately, time is running pretty short. I was just ask you uh i mean two two questions like do you want to guess how well i mean you already know but that doesn't really 
really work because you checked your phone. But I was going to ask if you would guess how long we've been here. If I guessed, I would have said like, uh, I don't know, 40 minutes or so. Oh, we've yeah. been here for a solid 50, okay. 51. Yeah. It's, it's pretty fun, yeah? For sure, yeah. yeah like, of course. Did, like, did you have a good time here today? Without a doubt. It was yeah. great to... Uh, Just talk and then... Yeah, self-reflect, sort of but also... Like, self-reflect. Yeah. And you sort of like, you know, like get things you know, out and then it feels good and things come together. For sure. You know, it's pretty interesting. Yeah, and then to hear, like, where other conversations have gone, that's really cool to, like, talk yeah. about that before we even got on. And then, like, yeah. understand uh, you've had some amazing older faculty here, and then to be a you know, person of younger faculty that's in here, so that's really cool, and I appreciate that I mean, how, how old are you right now? 29. 29? Yeah. No way. Yeah, 29 right I now. thought you were somewhere between 30s. Wow. Not yet. 29? But don't talk to me in September. I'll turn 30. <laughs> so, yeah. Wow. Future yeah. is crazy. It is. And yeah. like, yeah, that's something uh, I'm really appreciative to have an opportunity to work at a prep school. That yeah, has of like course. Because you, you like sort you. of had this passion at an early age. Mm-hmm. You knew what you wanted to do and you stuck to it. And yeah. now you're here, you know. Yeah, they're uh, uh, being the assistant coach for of one of the best basketball teams in high school, mm-hmm. private high school. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, when uh, college coaches and especially at the Division three level, assistant coaches that were in in the sport five years, no, seven years ago when I was in the sport. Yeah, compared to who's still in there, the yeah. numbers are like are very very slim. It's hard mm-hmm. to stay in the game. So yeah. I've been very fortunate for that and matter. Of course. Um, and to be able to keep going on and on and, to, and then to take a step forward okay. to come here. Okay. So like, yeah, those things were amazing. Definitely. So yeah, I've, I've, I'm very lucky. And there's definitely so, much more to come. Hope so. Hopefully we still stay in touch. I mean, it's, this was amazing today. I learned a lot about mindfulness and, and psychology and coaching and everything, you know, well, life. I appreciate that. And yeah. it's, it's great to talk about that. It's stuff, great to talk so. to you. I'm so grateful that you came today. Thanks yeah. for having me, Shannon. All right. a lot. Yeah. And for listeners, thank you all so much for listening. And I'll see you in the next episode. Bye. Woo!